0: So I hit record. Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go to the West Coast of Canada to talk to Sherry Edmund-Flett and uh, to find out uh, more about her and her organization. So Sherry, why don't you start with the land acknowledgement?
1: Okay, um, I'm Sherry Edmund-Flett. I'm in the City of Mission. I'd like to acknowledge the uh, Camel, the Stolo people, uh, the scholar's people, and uh, and that's where I'm at. And okay. this is on whose land that we are.
0: Okay, so let's start about your academic background. Where did you go to post-secondary school?
1: Okay, I was, I'm from Kingston, Ontario, as I said, so I went to Queen's for my undergraduate degree in a BA Honours in Sociology. I first started out in music, and then... Um, And then I went and did a Bachelor of Education at Queen's, and then I did a Master's in African Area Studies at UCLA. I had to go outside the country to study about uh, African Canadians. So I went to UCLA, and my thesis is on the history of slavery in the Kingston and Beya-Quinte region in Ontario. Then my PhD, which I should be graduating and finishing my thesis, revising it in about a month and a half, is on the history of African-Canadian women in British Columbia from 1858 to 1938.
0: Wow, that's quite a range of academic activity. So tell us about, in between all of that, what kind of uh, work experiences did you have?
1: Well, I started out working as a server because I didn't exactly come from... A wealthy family. So I've always worked um, through school. And then I, with my teaching degree, I substitute taught. I taught adult basic education at, for the University of the Fraser Valley. Um, I taught in provincial prisons. I taught at the university. I, um, let's see, I did curriculum development for um advanced education in the provincial government. So I did curriculum units on Sikh, Sikh history in, in, in uh, British Columbia, Japanese Canadian history in British Columbia, African Canadian history in British Columbia. Um, and then I formed a nonprofit called Link, long-term inmates now in the community with my late husband, Glenn Flett. When he got out of Ferndale, which is now called Mission Minimum, in 1992 and so i've been working for link since then as the executive director
0: so how did you get involved with teaching in the uh, incarceration area
1: well what i did was uh, first of all it came from my experience in when I was at Queen's, I was the social coordinator of the Queen's University West Indian Club, and a Lutheran minister asked us to come in to the executive to come into Millhaven to Biffa Black and and Friends. So I did, and that's actually where I met Glenn. He was the only white member of the executive for Biffa. I was the only white member of the Queen's University uh, West Indian Club executive, and so we met, and then eight years later we got married. So I... Uh, so because of my experience, because I've been going into prison since I was 19 in various ways. So as a volunteer, as a contractor, as a visitor, um, my so I had that experience with my husband being incarcerated. So when I applied for the job at the University of the Fraser Valley to teach inside prison, I said, yes, I know prison. My husband is serving life. So I was teaching in the provincial prisons. But I was honest and said where I came from, and so they hired me, and and I worked and did that until I gave birth to my daughter twenty three years ago.
0: Okay, so tell me about your husband and how that relationship developed.
1: Well, as I said, I met him in Biffa, Black and Mason friends. He was from Vancouver Island, so his family came from the Orkney Islands to um, Victoria in 1842. Um, so we met, and we were friends. Um, like I said, it was eight years after I had met him that we got married at William Head Institution, which is on Vancouver Island. Um, we had a lot in common. He ser- he was serving life. Um, he was a chronic offender that got a life bet, as they say in the vernacular. Um, but we had a lot in common, which may sound kind of strange, As I said, my family's been from Kingston since the year 1800. His family was from Vancouver Island since 1842. His dad was a farmer and a carpenter. My dad was a farmer and a plumber. His mother was a jeweler. His grandfather was a jeweler. His great-grandfather was a jeweler. My um, grandmother was a jeweler. He was middle class. I was middle class. The only thing that was different was the fact that he'd done time. So we had a lot in common. I did not expect I was going to get married, much less to somebody doing time, but I did. And we were married for 32 years until he died of lung cancer that went to his brain in October 26 of 2019. So how did
0: he end up in prison?
1: Um, again, he was a chronic offender. Um, he had a thing against authority, but, I mean, he didn't come from a, a family where he needed to rob things to do drugs. I mean, or any of that kind of stuff. He got his life bit um, when he he had escaped from William Head Institution, and they were doing uh, bank not, robberies, armed robberies down the west coast of the U.S., all, all through Canada, and he had robbed a Brinks courier with his two partners in the Scarborough Mall and an innocent man who was the men's
0: you're muted for a minute Sherry so let's just uh, keep
1: going here
0: and we'll unmute you and see what we to can... life.
1: When he was here. It got reduced down to fourteen to life, and uh, yeah, so that's what happened.
0: Okay, so
1: but he be- but he became a Christian in Kent, and that what is what changed his whole life. So he went from being a uh, active criminal and a prisoner to wanting to do good, even if it was from inside, and that's how it went.
0: So you've started an organization, or you started an organization with your husband called Link. Could you explain yes. what that is?
1: Okay, Link is Long-Term Inmates Down the Community. So we started it because our friend who had introduced us in Millhaven, Ronald Clifford Grant, or Gypsy as we knew him, was a man of African descent. He was African-Canadian. He ended up killing himself after being out for 10 years. He, and so we want. he felt like he didn't have a place to belong. And so we wanted to create a place for people that were doing time, getting out, to belong. So we started having support groups, so meetings that were like talking circles or care circles in church, so that people could talk about what their week was like, so they could find that there were things that were very familiar to the process of getting out. Then after that, we Glenn was doing in-reach, going in to see people. Then we developed community volunteer activities for people to do because Glenn said you're less likely to rob and steal in a community where you have a vested interest. And so um, we did different things, like we're in mission, so we did different things like manage the community garden. We helped at the... Um, the uh, uh, the soapbox derby that they have in Mission. Um, we created events like the largest clean and sober Christmas dinner that's free in Mission that everyone in the community could come to. We did long table dinners at Emma's Acres. That's another thing. We managed the community garden. That got us evolved to um, uh, forming our agricultural social enterprise, which is Emma's Acres which is named after Reverend Emma Smiley, who was a friend of Glenn's grandfather, had married Glenn to his first wife, had baptized Glenn's twin sons, and she was murdered while Glenn was in Kent. And she always believed in Glenn, always believed he was going to be somebody. And the young man who was 17 years old that murdered her landed up in Kent just after Glenn had become a Christian. And a Christian guard asked Glenn to take care of this kid, not knowing his relationship to Reverend Smiley and so, and Glenn helped this kid get out of jail. So we ended up again, having an agricultural social enterprise because we started doing more and more work with survivors of serious crime with, uh, with victims. And so, and we want to do something where we could help pay for things for them and also do social justice work in terms of food security in our community. And so, yeah, so our, biggest thing that we're working on right now is Emma's Acres, and we haven't been able to do some other things like the, the uh, long table dinners or the Christmas dinners, stuff of like that, because of COVID-19, but, yeah. So we have an agricultural social enterprise called Emma's Acres. We did – Glenn didn't go down, but I went with um, several of our board members down to Delancey Street in San Francisco looking at social, doing what's called the replication training, that was in uh, 2007, to look at what we could do to create funding to do our work, which includes victims, which includes people getting out of prison, which includes their families, which includes the wider community in terms of community engagement.
0: So having said that, how do you fund this organization?
1: Various ways. One, we have a contract with the Correctional Service of Canada, which is one of our partners. We uh, the land we lease from the City of Mission at a dollar a year for MS acres. We write copious amounts of grants. um, So we've written. We've been funded by the Vancouver Foundation, by Van City. Our our account for link is through Van City, which is a credit union in particular. Our our branch is branch 36, which I call the little engine that could. Um, we have funding through the Community Action Initiative, funding through the United Way of the Lower Mainland, uh, funding. There was uh, uh, funding that we had through a Viva, um, and we have funding where we raise money through the community, like when we needed to get water to the farm. I said that people could buy an inch of the pipeline we needed it could be an inch a foot a yard so people participate by doing that the rotary club admission the sunrise rotary club uh people just personally um donating because we have a charitable tax number um but we apply for oh the community food centers which are located in toronto um let's see that's what i could think of off the top of my head oh we also get donated seeds from West Coast Seeds um, here out in the West Coast, and they're in Delta, and they're very cool. Um, Tree Canada donated. We got a, a grant through them that helped us plant our fruit trees. Uh, yeah, that's a, a variety of things. And also, we sell our vegetables. So anybody that's a friend or family member, someone who's been murdered, gets what we grow for free, or elders, Spiritual elders get what we grow for free, What we sell at the Mission City Farmer's Market to Blackberry Kitchen, which is a restaurant, to Leps, which is a gro- grocery place in uh, on the way to Abbotsford, Scratch, people come to the farm. So we also fund it through what we um, – oh, the Victoria Foundation, but also we fund what we do through the selling of our produce – So there's that too. Well,
0: from what you've just talked about, tell us about the importance of partnerships to what you do.
1: Oh, partnerships are really, really important. And our partnerships are key to our success. So we've had relationships with our community and people and organizations and businesses within our community for decades. And, um, and so, and we were always very open as to who we were. So people knew that Glenn was serving life sentence. People knew I was married to him. People, uh, like we did, open communication is very important. So we always kept what was then called the district of mission in con, you know, knowing what we were doing, the correctional service of Canada. I mean, it was a really proud thing that in 2000, in October, 2018, there was the international correct. Corrections and Prisons Association conference in Montreal, and there was one day of that conference, which was uh, best practices in Canada, and Glenn spoke all about Emma's Acres. And what was really ironic was this was where he spoke was at a hotel in Montreal, which was a hotel that he stayed at when he was unlawfully at large before he got his life sentence, which he told them about when he started, but it was just... um, you know, so so community partnerships are really important, and we also like to meet the community needs. So we, you know, like say, give away vegetables. We we have long table dinners. We have the community, the the you know, and we've had uh, good publicity. So we've had the CBC National, um, uh, Nick Purden and Leo come and f- film us and do pieces on us. We've had uh, C- CTV. Global, uh, the Toronto Star, the Vancouver Sun, the Mission Record. You know, so it's just really important to talk about what we're doing. Uh, Reverend Smiley's Church in Victoria. Uh, yeah. Community engagement is essential.
0: So, tell us about the people that come out and work the farm. Okay, are, so right are there now, uh, are there uh, uh, see, who who guards them? Do you have guards at the farm?
1: Okay, so let me tell you about that. Right now, nobody can go in an institution or out of an institution because of COVID-19. But, so people come to the farm on either, when people first get granted passes, they come with guards for maybe three or four passes. But at some of the institutions, like Matsui, the guy that was coming from Matsui came with a guard all the time Uh, we have out here and they have across Canada, they have what's called assistant escort program. And so people like myself and Glenn, we had to get what's called a, a reliability status. We had to get trained by the Correctional Service of Canada each year. We had to have business insurance on our vehicles. And so we learned how to supervise out in the community. So it was a mixture of guards, and it was a staff, and it was a mixture of, um, of uh, like, link staff on uh, QD escort status. And then, then, like, for instance, Ferndale, which is now known as Mission Minimum, also had what was called a work release officer, and they used to come and monitor everything. But there's a whole process for people getting out on passes. If um, they have to first be interviewed by us, we need to get to know them then there's a meeting with their community or their uh, institutional parole officer or their case management team. Then it has to be approved by the warden. Then it has to go to the Pro Board of Canada, back to the warden. Uh, so there's a, 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 a real sort of process to it. And then we have people who are out on the, in the community on conditional release that volunteer or are paid by us. So
0: How about your own team? What? Where do your, where do your team members come from, and what do they do?
1: They come from jail. They've been in prison. Um, I have a programs manager that I've been mentoring from inside jail to out. She's a, uh, she's smart as a whip. She's going to university, finishing her degree, but she was serving life, and she, um, she is my programs manager now. I've, and then I've had. Uh, uh, I have a person that when we have escorts, Ray King, his son was, Ray Jr. was murdered by Clifford Wilson. So he works for me. Um, we have other people that have done time that, that are out on conditional release that work for me. The people that come from prison, they volunteer. But what we do is we also help them with um, developing their plans, release plans, and we go in front of the pro board with them to help to get a grant for a day parole or another type of conditional release. So the people that work for me reflect the wider community. So I have indigenous people that work for me that come from inside. I have people of color that come from inside that work for me. I have people who are trans. I've had people who are transgender LGBT community people that have worked for me. Um, yeah, it's just a variety. So, you know, because inclusivity.
0: So once these people are finished, do you get to see them, say six months or a year after they've finished their time in jail?
1: Oh yeah, people like some people are are under indeterminate sentence, which is a lifer, so they're not finished until until they're dead, like Lent. Or we have people on determinate sentences, so we see people like I have one fellow that's been out for a year, and he comes on Saturdays and volunteers. He's serving life. We have people, They'll we see them pretty regularly, everybody, because we'll have, like again, our special events, and they come to those, or they'll come to the farm to get vegetables themselves. You know, yeah, we see people a lot. There's a relationship with the people that... And then I also am on Facebook with people, LinkedIn with people, Twitter with people, both staff, prisoners, and survivors.
0: So, Sherry... Here's a challenging question. Where do you see Link three years from today?
1: Um, Well, I'm working on a succession planning. So I'm working on having somebody that will sort of, like I'm 63, so I have to work on succession planning to get somebody that could do my job. I see us having MS Acres on here. I see us having MS Acres on Vancouver Island. I see us, we're still under contract. Just signed a new contract with the Correctional Service of Canada, which is four years so um, I anticipate that we will have, continue to have contracts with them, do in-reach, do, um, I'd like, one of the, my, our final goals is to have what I call a healing center for survivors of serious crime. And one of our board members, who used to be our board chair, um, her name is Marjorie Fitzgerald, and her son, Dennis, was murdered by a person on conditional release. And so she has always wanted to have a healing center. So one of the reasons why, so we did, she and I worked and on a grant that we got from the department of justice to uh, do the um, feasibility study on a healing center. So what I see us doing is finally having a healing center, which is funded in part by social enterprise businesses like Emma's so... funding acres. Always, funding always needs to be a mix. It shouldn't be, so if one thing goes down, like in terms of contracts, you need to have grants. You need to have uh, businesses that earn money. A variety of things. So if something goes down, you're not like shit out of luck.
0: Have you uh, explored sponsorship with corporations at all?
1: Well, um, again, Van City has given us grants, number of grants on corporations. It would be interesting to see if corporations would um, I'd like it that they that we're sort of in sync with each other so like again our credit union Van city we're very much in sync with them and they're very supportive of us um, yeah no I would like to try that as well
0: because there are many uh, corporations now that apply corporate social responsibility. And uh, they do find ways to give back, whether it's monetary or in-kind or volunteer support. So yes. there are some opportunities there.
1: True. Okay. Uh, I would say Van City is the one that we have for that. And, uh, yeah, we that's one area that we could develop more.
0: Okay. So... Do you, You talked about the possibility of setting up another location on Vancouver Island. Is that right? And uh, hopefully that would happen uh, fairly soon when you're able to do that. And
1: that would be very cool. Okay. Hi, sorry about that. That was a call coming from inside an institution.
0: That's okay. So, having said that, are you looking to set up another location on Vancouver Island?
1: Yeah, for MS Acres, we are. Um, Reverend Smiley's church is actually willing to buy us land um, and lease it to us at a dollar a year which is pretty amazing. We're really blessed. Glenn, the year before he died, actually went to speak at her church. And it was one of the things he was really proud of because he wanted to tell them about her. Like she died, I think it was in 82 or yeah, I think it was 82. And there were some people that knew her that were still alive, but he wanted to talk about her. And so we've formed uh, a relationship with um, the Victoria truth center. So, and, and we part of the funding that we got from Vancouver Foundation is to help set that up over on the island. So that will happen. It, COVID has sort of slowed us down a bit.
0: Okay, yeah. so having, having said that, are you still running the farm today? Yes, we are. Okay, so if, for those that are listening and... They wanted to get in contact with you. What's the what's your website that you... Uh...
1: Okay, this is www.linksociety.bc.ca. They can get in touch with me on Twitter at Sherry edmonds Flat. They can get in touch with me on Facebook at Sherry edmonds Flat. And I think the last time we talked, I was going to give you my cell phone, which is on the website, so yes. they could do it in the right ways. And my email is seflett at telus.net. Okay. So S is in Sherry, E is in Edmonds, F is in Frank, L is in Larry, E is in or T is in Tom, T is in Tom at telus.net.
0: Sherry, sure, you've had a, a very challenging, exciting life so far. You're passionate about what you do, and you are making a difference.
1: Aw. Uh, thank you, Peter, and it was a joy to talk to you. And even though it's their second time because the first one didn't really work out, but I really appreciate what you're doing yourself.
0: Thank you very much, and have a great
1: afternoon. Will do, will do, friend. Thank Take you. Take care.